The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and we are joined by the man in charge himself, Zacho. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? I'm doing all right, and that intro courtesy of Musaraj in the uh, in the Discord, man in charge. I was going to use it last week, but then we played the meme, but I like this one. Uh, so, welcome. We have much to talk about because uh, nerfs are coming, not this week, but next week, and also we have the first full report of the Deadmines meta. We really want to get into it. Just so you know, though, no report next week because of those nerfs. So, the next report will be on uh, the Thursday of American Thanksgiving on the 25th. But we will have an early impressions podcast at some point next weekend. It'll be either Saturday or Sunday, as usual, when we have a new patch. It'll depend on when the patch drops. I mean, if it drops Thursday, we'll figure it out some other time. But I think it'll probably drop Tuesday. Yeah. Um, lots of things happening. Actually, I was I was a bit surprised. But then I remember there are new cards. that uh, There are a lot of developments in the meta uh, with the balance changes next week. I know things are going to shake up even more. So... Yeah, I didn't uh, we'll get an early look at then. this report. I just didn't take the time to, to read it ahead of time because you, you made so many new decks. And I looked over it today. There was a lot of funky stuff that happened. Like, I'm actually really excited to talk about the Hunter deck list. Really excited. Okay, well, I'll get to the Hunter, but uh, but let's start with uh, with Druid. Yeah, well, we should start with what happened just so if anyone is living under a rock and you don't know what the nerfs are, we're going to read them out now, and then we'll talk about them in the class section. We're starting with Druid, so we'll get right into it. But Battle Guard is going from a 2-3 to a 2-2. Two, two. Dawn Grasp, the Quest Mage Reward, is going from plus 3 to plus 2 spell damage. Garrote is going from Shuffle and 3 Bleed to Shuffle and 2 Bleeds. And Renew is going back to 1 mana. Oh, boy. So, we'll start with Druid. And uh, I guess it's a good thing they nerf, they're nerf. they nerfing Druid because this deck looks insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, like at, at bronze through like platinum, this deck is close to sixty percent win rate. Woo! Uh, yeah, and then you know, a top legend it drops off a little bit, uh, closer to fifty-five percent win rate, fifty-four. Um, this deck's insane right now. Uh, obviously, some of it is propped up by its really good matchups against. West Warrior and Celestial Druid. We've talked about that in the podcast last week. But regardless of, you know, how the meta shapes up, even when it settles down eventually and some of the maybe overplayed decks are played less, this deck is still going to be surefire tier one. Um, it got better thanks to a more favorable meta, but it also got Druid of the Reef, and Druid of the Reef is a really good card. Um... That just helps them contest board and stabilize and and just you know leverage their board lead even harder. Um, it's a void so, walker with more options, and void walker was already a yeah. pretty good card in aggressive decks. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just really powerful. Uh, definitely one of the most powerful cards in the deck already. Uh, though you know, still it's all about the battle guard um, that really takes this deck to the to the highest level. Um, there are some 
debate about the final few cards in the deck, but it really honestly doesn't matter. You can run Squirrel, you can run Watchbulls, you can run the Carpenter with the Soda Soils. I don't particularly like the Carpenter and the Soda Soils. I don't think they're it's a particularly good package, but it's kind of what I saw as the best option maybe. Uh, but I can see that changing. Uh, but the bigger star, obviously, is now that Battleguard is getting nerfed to 2 health. That's a huge nerf. There's a lot of removal that, at 2 health, can can kill it, that couldn't kill it before. And it's going to be a lot easier to deal with. Uh, just, just think about, like, an SI7 agent for Quest Rogue. I'm playing Quest Rogue, and I'm thinking about what this matchup would be like if Battleguard was 2 health. And I'm doing well in this matchup already, but now that it's 2 health, it's, like, it's almost... Uh, there's just so many options for other classes like Touch of the Nathrazim suddenly kills a battle guard now. I mean, you remember a conversation from last week, I got Legend with Shadow Priest, I got a hero power over here that's just waiting to kill a battle guard. Yeah, it's just, yeah, Uh, there's just so much removal that is able to deal with it now at at 2 health that it's almost never going to stick, Uh, and, and that's a big difference maker. Uh, Honestly, the deck is so powerful that you wonder how much is this going to change? Like, if this deck has like a fifty-five percent win rate, then does this drop the deck to like fifty percent? And sometimes I think, oh, is this deck even playable with Battleguard being two health? Because this is such a huge component of this deck's success, uh, being able to stick a Battleguard and a Snowball. Um, but you know, time will tell. This is really hard to predict, but I do think that this deck is very likely going to be significantly less popular. I think it's going to be, at least initially, barely seen uh, after the patch. Just my uh, just my impression uh, mm. that uh, once, you know, once people, uh, you know, jump to the next thing, you know, they're going to be quick to drop uh, Tantruid. Uh, and they're definitely going to dust the Battle Guard and see later whether it's viable or not uh, still. But... Uh, yeah, this nerf, though, was necessary um, because the deck is just too powerful. It's also very limiting to the format. Its ability, like its dominance of the early game board is is so high that it just pushes out a lot of different strategies, a lot of different, uh, you know, initiative-focused decks that just cannot compete with Tantroid uh, when it comes to uh, winning the board. And, you know, when... It, it, it's often uh, more complained about when the deck dominates late game, right? when dominates the resource-focused end of the spectrum and just doesn't allow other resource-focused strategies to succeed. But when it comes to Tundra, it's pretty much doing that on the initiative end of the spectrum. It's very difficult to contest in the early game because of its lightning-fast or uh, battle guard openings. So that's obviously going to be a big difference maker. Um and and changing like the, dropping the popularity of this deck is going to affect a lot of different other decks in the format. Uh, the other druid deck that you know got some hype, got some is fairly popular, but it's declining right now because of its results. Is Celestial Druid. Um, you know this deck is as polarizing as it ever, <laughs> like it's always been polarizing. But uh, you know its current iteration with Mister Smite is no different. Um, it just Gets obliterated by Tondroid, uh, destroyed in this matchup. It's like 85-15, we talked about it. Also doesn't do well against Face Hunter. You know, there, there's a lot of things that beat it. It's very dominant in some matchups, but those aren't popular enough uh, to make up for it. 
Um, we'll see what happens after the patch. You know, Tantrid being nerfed is a big deal, but you know, also you lose Quest Mage potentially. And Garot Rogue was also a comfortable matchup for the Celestial Druid. So it's not like uh, it's always a win. It's not a win win situation for Celestial Druid. It, it, we're going to have to see what kind of meta shapes up after the balance changes. But my. My instincts are that this deck is not going to be ever, like, good, good, you know? Because, like, if it ever becomes a situation where the meta is even slightly favorable to this deck, then people are going to run counters. And I think that it's a deck that's relatively easy to counter uh, compared to other strategies because of how... Um, I don't want to... I want to say one-dimensional, though that will probably anger some people who play this deck. It's not that it's not skill testing or difficult to play it's just it's not flexible um it has to win in a certain fashion and it doesn't have other means of of winning the game it has to go like pretty much in every matchup it has to go like the celestial alignment route and it has to blow the opponent out with like a big turn of uh, as a follow-up and it doesn't really you play one minion on the board or a couple of minions, and it's going to take a lot of damage up until that point. So uh, it's just very weak defensively. Tian Ding, who is the, the Blizzard data scientist, he posted the first full week of results, top 1% MMR. Taunt Druid was first place. Uh, Celestial Druid was fifth from last, which it did beat both Big Demon Hunter and Death Rattle Hunter, but not too much <laughs> else. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's you know there are worse decks than Celestial Druid in the format, but there aren't much many worse decks that see as much play as Celestial Druid, right? Yeah, it's got a seven percent play rate for them for Blizzard. Seven percent of games at top one percent MMR. Nothing else in that ballpark is is even above like two ish percent. But for some reason, this deck is more played than Handlock, and it's got a forty five percent global win rate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Blizzard data is is not too different from our data, from what we see as well. Like Celestial at top thousand legend is over six percent of the field, so it's it's popular. Uh, though its its popularity is dropping because people realize that it isn't very well positioned. Um, so we'll see, but it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a fun deck, right? It's a fun deck that yeah. people enjoy and some of them can, can win games and have positive win rates with them. Even with like decks that have 45% win rates, some people will have positive win rates with the deck and feel like it's good enough. It's just, um, it's not, it's just not strong. Like it's not well positioned. Uh, we'll see after the patch if that changes, but. You know, I have my doubts just because of the manner in which, like, the game plan uh, that is highly reliant on the opponent just kind of sitting and doing nothing for that yeah. to work. Um, yeah, so Druid is good. On Druid, really strong. Going to get nerfed. That's going to change a lot of things. Yeah. So you have a lot more faith in people putting the deck down than I do. I, I don't know if people are going to stop playing this, but... I think the deck is already declining in popularity. So here's the thing. People uh, may ask me, uh, Zach, you know, you, you've seen what's happening with Quest Mage. Uh, people are not really dropping the deck. So why do you think that people are going to drop Celestial Druid? Oh, I mean Taunt Druid. 
oh, in terms of the nerf, yes. nerf decks always drop in popularity. It's always been the case, even when they became when they stayed good after the patch. It took a while for them to rise in popularity again. But nerf decks, regardless of how hard the nerf is, always always drop in popularity. That's something that has been consistent throughout Hearthstone history. I have never seen a deck that got nerfed and didn't significantly drop in its play rate at least initially. After yeah. the patch, so we will see Tondroid drop in in popularity. I'm more talking about. I thought you we were talking about Celestial Druid. Uh, why would I think that people, you know, drop this deck now that it's proven to be not very good? Well, I already see it, and like I'm seeing oh, yeah. it live happening right now. It's declining. It reminds me of Steeler, right? Uh no, I I I I, I wouldn't compare it to Steeler. Really, uh, Steeler had like a super high percent, like. It had a high skill cap, right? It had it. It performed much better at higher levels. Celestial Druid is not really showing that kind of um, uh, performance disparity at all. It's not particularly better at top legend compared to the rest of ladder. Um, so it doesn't have that going for it. And and Steeler, you know, a top legend was like tier three, slightly under fifty percent, was kind of inching closer to that mark. Decks that have slightly under 50% win rate um, tend to stick around even if they're like they can stick around in popularity if they have a high perception of skill or high perception of power. But when it comes to decks that have a 45% win rate, that's different. That's not quest mage. We're not talking about quest mage here. We're talking about a deck that like that's win rate is very, very low. Yeah. Uh, and decks at this state at this kind of performance pretty much always decline. So I do expect it to decline. And it is declining, by the way. Uh, like I'm seeing it in live in, in the live data. The hype is is dying down. So that makes yep. sense. But speaking of decks that are not really declining too much and the hype isn't necessarily dying down, maybe we can talk about Quest Warrior a little bit because uh, I'm still seeing a lot of these. Yeah, Quest Warrior is also declining, but it's declining at a slower pace. Um, I think it makes sense because uh, when a deck is this popular, and it's also pretty powerful, right? This is not some trash deck. This is a deck that has a, a good, a very good winner at lower ranks that declines to like towards the 50% mark at higher levels of play. But it's a pretty good deck throughout ladder. So there's no, it's not like it's bad. It's just that when you look at the popularity of all decks in the format, and you look at decks that are better than quest warrior and see far less play then it's easy to understand why i would say this deck is overplayed because this deck is more popular at top legend than garot rogue and garot rogue is a better deck at top legend than quest warrior all right it's more popular than tantruid and tantruid is the better deck uh, it's more popular than face hunter and face hunter is the better deck and same for handlock these decks are stronger than quest warrior but quest warrior is the most popular one so Saying it's overplayed, it makes sense, right? Um, but you know, it's the deck, the new deck, right? That got the the big impact card. You know, Mister Smite. You know, it fits best in this archetype. Um, Defiance Cannoneer is a huge card for this deck, and this deck did grow in power thanks to the addition of new cards. Um, what I've noticed is that you know, the unfortunate thing is that. The aggro variant pretty much took over this archetype. You're seeing some control variants, but you're seeing very little of it. And they're slightly, I estimate, it's an estimate, that they're slightly worse compared to the aggressive variant of uh, Quest Warrior right now. 
Um, when it comes to build, though, I was kind of uh, I was kind of curious because I saw some people run mana mana cannons, but not a lot of them. And this card is huge. Like, I mean, just kill a battle guard, right? You just need to kill a battle guard. Then two two mana for three damage is good enough. And um, the utility at potentially clearing a wider board is is obviously there to, there too. Uh, but you know the the card that really surprised me is uh, Hatchet, uh, the one mana weapon. Like that's a card that I say, oh, this card, this is the best weapon in the stack. Now you still want to run a blacksmithing hammer just because you know you might draw the hatchet or the hammer earlier on, and then you know if you do that and the first phase doesn't give you a weapon, that's a big blow to your consistency. So having two weapons is nice, but Hatchet is really good with Cannoneer. Like, after the report was out, I started queuing into Quest Warriors, and the matchup became more difficult because they started playing Hatchet. Um, like, it's it's just brutal when they Hatchet and, and Cannoneer, and just very early in the game, they're able to just, you know, clear your board or put more pressure on your life total through the cannons. It's uh it's it's a very good combo. You still want hammer because you know if you draw it, you can just trade it and it has utility with cutting class. Cutting class is a card that's not particularly good in this deck, it needs some help. And hammer helps it be more playable in this deck. And also it's nice to have the reach and the damage of the hammer. And post-quest completion, you can always just trade it away and find a better card, or you just use the five damage to to as reach to to uh, pressure your opponent because you you kind of want to put them in within range of Mister Smite uh, at some point, and and that can help with that. So, uh, Agricourse were looking good, but probably a bit overrated in terms of uh, its popularity. Uh, but popularity also often drives perceptional power, and you could definitely see that over the week when I saw you know comments in social media about how Mister Smite has to be nerfed and this deck is bonkers, you know. I kind of giggled to myself because, yeah, it makes sense. The high play rate often leads to high perception of power. Big Warrior, though, is the better deck uh, when it comes to, like, Legend and Top Legend. Big Warrior seems to be performing better. Low sample size, but it's a safe estimate um, because there are less quest mages, um, obviously, at high levels of play. So that matchup, you know, it's an impressive matchup. You see less of that. That helps a lot. And yeah, it's pretty strong. The only weird thing is people are not playing Man of the Cannons. Start playing Man of the Cannons in any Warrior deck. Pretty much. This card is so good that I would guess that it belongs in almost every Warrior deck. I don't want to say every, but almost every one. There needs to be a very good reason not to run this card. Um, so yeah, Warrior I think is in a good spot. I think the the mini set helped it, you know, establish a a, a a pit place in the meta. I don't think it's overbearing or any or any of that. Just a good deck. It's just yeah, a good it's deck. Just a good deck. Good deck. Whetstone hatchet, really? Like, yeah, really good. It's really good. It's it's. This is not where I thought this conversation was going to go today. This is not where I thought Warrior was going to end up. Oh, Big Warrior is better than Quest Warrior, but if you're playing Quest Warrior, make sure you find room for those whetstone hatchets. That's not what I thought was going to happen. Man, the cannons, I get it. That card's a two-minute swipe. You called it. It is. I played against it. It's devastating. It's demoralizing. 
But Whipstone Hatchet, that's life justice with a little bit of extra text. Huh. Yeah, but it's all about, it's really all about like you draw it off of the first quest bra and you can play it while developing other things because it's so cheap. Like Cannoneer. And then when you play Cannoneer with it, it's just fantastic, right? Because if you play an expensive weapon, it's hard for you to combo it with Cannoneer. But with with Hatchet, you, you like if you have Cannoneer in hand and you draw Hatchet, it's basically the Hatchet is it's not one attack. It's like like five attack. It's just... Yeah. It's a very powerful weapon with that with that card. So it's all about getting the, the uh, extra balls. Yeah, the extra balls are very important. So warrior, we'll see what happens after the balance changes. I think the Tondroid matchup potentially dropping in popularity is a big deal uh, for it. It might help it become better. But on the other hand, you know, Quest Mage getting nerfed. It's actually become a good matchup for the warrior and wants to see mages now. You now thanks to Mister Smite and Cannoneer. Um, that's also going to drop off, so it's hard to say where it's going to be placed, but I would guess it would be a good deck. It's just that the top decks in the format, things like the Handlock, that I expect to be really good after the patch, it's not particularly well-positioned against it. It's not particularly well-positioned against Face Hunter, too. And probably it doesn't do that well against uh, Control Priest, huh? Huh? Mm, we'll talk about Priest, whether I think that Priest has where Priest is situated after the the balance changes. There's a lot of hub, hype behind Renew, but I don't know. I'm, anyway, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm memeing, if, in case anyone couldn't tell. Warrior good, let's talk about the great, which is Rogue right now. Um, so we, I, I kind of talked about why Rogue is looking better in the previous podcast and kind of explained it in the report as well. Basically, Quest Warrior and Celestial Droids are two of the decks that rose in prominence after the mini set, and those decks demolished Lifesteal Demon Hunter. Lifesteal Demon Hunter was the top pick for top players, high-level players, to counter Garot Rogue. It was a very reliable counter. It's always been a reliable counter, um, and it's not a matchup that improved for the Rogue at high levels of play because the macro game plan of the Rogue uh, could not significantly change the pressure plan of the rogue in that matchup is not really effective because of the ability immolation aura and the defensive tools that lifesteal demon hunter has in its disposal so there's no real way to improve that matchup at higher levels so that was a very consistent and reliable counter uh, the drop in population of lifesteal demon hunter and the weakening of this deck because of those rising matchups has Giving Garot Rogue free reign. It's very good against Tauntruid. It's good against Handlock. It's pretty decent against Face Hunter too. Like it's a close matchup depending on how greedy you are um, in the build of the Face Hunter as well. But it's it's close to a 50-50 matchup. So Garot Rogue doesn't really lose to anything significant. And uh, it's just, you know, high skill cap too. It improves its performance in a lot of matchups. So this deck is now tier one statistically so um and it's just running amok and it makes sense to nerf it now because of how good it is uh and also it got blackwater cutlass and this card is nothing zero mana trade zero mana trade pretty good it's so good uh it's just yeah it's just such a powerful card uh in this deck and it just works perfect and you just cut the neophytes and you're fine with that you can keep them for some matchups, but like they're very cuttable. 
Um, and this duck just became more efficient and even faster than it was before. And it's very powerful. But Quest Rogue is also powerful. Uh, I think Quest Rogue is a little bit underrated, a little bit in the shadow of Garot Rogue, but uh, it's a deck that's quite effective in the current meta. It's, I think it's a bit confused when it comes to its build. You know, I my legend climb was with Quest Rogue this month. It was a pretty easy legend climb. Uh, good deck. I was playing the deck. I was playing the featured deck. I was playing the deck that's featured in the report. Uh, the early game, the spy mistress, the 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 leaner build really helps you in matchups like Tontroid. I think I have a one hundred percent win rate with Tontroid against Tontroid with this Look deck this month. Yeah. yeah, like win every time because the spy mistress helps a lot. Uh, contest or early board. Uh, but the deck is also pretty versatile. Like, I haven't lost... Like, my winner against Druid is, like, 100%. I think I played, like, on the Legend Climb eight times against Druid, and I won all eight times, whether it was Celestial or Taunt, because you just have a pretty good, effective game plan against either of these decks, and these decks are very different from each other, right? So, and also Warrior, the matchup feels better when you have a lot of early game and you can get ahead of them. Uh, on the board and push them away when you when they complete the quest, but they're behind. It makes a big difference, right? You just you just sap the Rokara, you just sap it away, and you're gonna close out the game within two turns. Where the second Rokara doesn't even matter. I kind of like the how they designed all the quest rewards except the priest one to not have taunt, so that it becomes a risk to even play the five mana seven seven. Because that's kind of a window where the shields are down, and you can very much just kill people that turn or make it so they know they can't play it, and then their win condition doesn't come online. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. You you pressure them to the point where, like, the warrior wants to be ahead. There are a lot of reasons why it wants to be ahead. The second quest reward, if they're ahead on the board, that damage goes face. The cannoneer goes face. Also, the quest, the juggernaut itself wants to be ahead because if you have a lot of minions on the board, those two cannons... They can injure some of your minions, but they don't actually have that big of an impact if they're if you're really behind. So if you push the warrior to play defensively, the aggro variant is far less comfortable of playing out its game plan. So uh so Quest Rogue is pretty it, it can do that job if you're able to if you build it faster. Uh that's what I like about it. And also by the way, even the late game matchups, you know, people are thinking, oh, what happens? You're cutting uh, like uh, Battlemaster, you're cutting, uh, you know, scabs, like the blowouts in the mid game. Uh, how do you do against slower decks? You can still manage pretty well in slower matchups too, even when you don't run the ten wool, like the overly greedy options. So I mean, we're still we still have Shadow Step and the quest reward. Like I think we're just fine. I think we can yeah, yeah. do just fine at generating resources. That definitely works. So that deck yeah. is pretty good. And also post-patch may have an important role at beating Paladins. Uh, yep. Paladins, Liberal Paladins, that's going to be a deck, uh, I think, a, a pretty big competitor in the meta after the patch in Quest Rogue is... Like, honestly, I don't know how you lose that matchup as a Rogue. Uh, that matchup is like... It's so pretty free. easy. Everything it's you do free. is just yeah. completely... the. De- destroys them and one of the things about quest rogue like the the rhetoric i hear a lot from people even when they're just looking at deck lists how they talk about how it's pretty linear having played the deck there are quite a few decision points just because you quit play the quest on one and play a lot of cards say si7 in the name 
I don't think it's necessarily the easiest deck in the world to pilot. Um, like it's it it has a general game plan like most decks that play for board, but uh, you have a lot of choices about what to do and when to do it. Of course, and also your choices uh, vary depending on the gizmos that you generate in the first few phases, in the first couple of phases. That can also, uh, you know, change what you're trying to do or what you're planning for. Um, I just don't agree with these uh, discussions about linear and that all quest decks are necessarily linear. I think there are plenty of decks that don't have quests but are also linear because if your description of linearity is playing trying uh executing the same game plan every game then uh, let me break some news to you most hearthstone decks want to do that it's just that it's like the perception of like playing quests on one instantly makes you like linear um there but but people also need to understand that that what they call linear is also an upside in terms of design because uh quest decks are attractive to some players, to a significant amount of players that like to have game plans spelled out for them. That they want to like, oh, I need to achieve this thing and then I get this cool reward. This is something that appeals to a lot of people, uh, which is why they keep making quest decks. Beyond, you know, what we talked with Alec in our last interview with him about the other upside of quest decks that you don't need to support them with a lot of cards you can just print the quest and then have your other cards for the expansion in the set support other things as well that's also an important upside so i think that people are over fixated on you know quests being linear and such yes they can lead to linear decks but that's not even necessarily a bad thing in terms of design because it appeals to some to a significant amount of players. And if they're too good, just nerf them. Yeah. If they're too good, just nerf them. Uh, and, you know, Poison Rogue is a deck that's very linear. It's not a quest deck. No. It's not a quest deck, but it's linear. And, you know, now it's running Mr. Smite and Blood Serial Rider, and it can OTK, and that's pretty cool. The only problem is Tondrid, so... Uh, Tundrid is a really bad matchup and it, it, it's got other bad matchups I do think that Poison Rogue is probably going to still stick around especially after the patch if Handlock is going to be as good as it, I think it's going to be then Poison Rogue is pretty much one of the only things that reliably counter it so we will probably see some of that after the patch man if the pillars of the meta end up being Handlock and Librem Paladin, you're just going to be coin flipping your way up the ladder. Just hope you hit the right one. Yeah, definitely. I expect those two to be very prominent after the patch. So, yeah. Uh, I think Rogue's in a good spot right now. Very good spot. I think that even after the Garot nerf, like, people are asking, is Garot Rogue still going to be good? Um... I mean, that's a difficult question. It's easy to say that it's going to be f- worse than it is currently. question is, is it still going to be viable? I'm not a Garot Rogue expert, but uh, I do think that this nerf is significant. Uh, like, its ability to execute its win condition is now significantly reduced. Like, it, it's going to be less consistent. 
uh, it might rogue might find other like better win conditions. Maybe you're better off just doing something else in the late game than Garotes. Uh, but it is true that you know OTK execution is still possible even with the nerf Garot. Um, I just don't it's think possible. I think but it's like gonna... the deck was already so much work, and now your margin for error is less. Yeah, like, yeah. Ugh, learning yeah, this deck this sounds like, like just not fun. I mean, it's fun for for quite a few players, but the question is whether it's, go- it's still going to be effective, whether it's still going to be good. I think it's going to be significantly weaker. Yeah. Um, again, it's difficult to to say how much does it hurt the percentage. Right? Um, and really, I don't have a great answer to that, but I think this deck is going to be fringe at best, at least initially. Uh, maybe over time, people will perfect it again and or figure out solutions. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we play Wicked Stabs now. I don't know what we're going to do. But, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, the nerfs are appropriate. I think that this deck, if you're leaving it up and, and keeping it the way it is into the next expansion, it's in danger of outclassing win conditions that you may want to print uh, for the next set, right? Because the win condition is so fast. And when win conditions in the late game are fast for resource-focused decks, that can be quite limiting to late game diversity. So if you want to try out, if you want to give the player base new cards to play with and say, here, there are these new strategies in the late game that you can now execute, but you're still keeping Garot Rogue around and the quest mages around, then you might end up creating this a story that's, oh, we're still playing Mage and Rogue uh, in the new expansion and all these uh, cool big new cards that you just printed in the set are just not effective. They're not relevant. So I think that's another good reason why you would nerf this deck. Alec was telling us that they want some cool big mana cards coming down the road to see play, and you can't do that when you just keep dying on turn 8 from hand. So they nerf the decks that do that, and... I don't know. I am not on the 10 hero cards train, but if you are, this is this is another uh another indicator that there's some cool big mana cards coming. Maybe they're hero cards, maybe they're not. I don't know. Yeah, um I strongly suspect that there will be a lot of late game cards that are introduced in the in the next set and, you know, if Rogue and Mage stick around, then these cards are in danger of not being relevant enough. Uh, so we'll see. As, uh, you know, lots of late game talk, let's talk about the early game talk. Another very dominant early game um, initiative-focused deck is Face Hunter. And Face oh, Hunter, it's Hunter you know, time. You, you, yeah, you're really excited about talking about Face Hunter. This deck I, is great. Really, you know, when I was talking to you on... The last podcast, I really didn't expect that this would be the decklist that I would feature in the report. You did mention deck, Arcane is, Anomaly. You brought it up. I but, did mention but it, it's but in I, the list. I said, I don't know if it's actually good. I said, I don't know if it's actually good because I didn't evaluate it properly. I just noticed that Biscuit is a thing. Uh, and yeah, this, this list is actually the nuts. It is so good that the Tondruid matchup is no longer unfavored because you're you're just able to snowball on them. 
Like, imagine you're playing ramming mount and you just start value trading. What does the druid even do if you're ahead at any position to place a ramming mount on the board? And Biscuit just sets that up as well, and you can just completely snowball out of control. And it's also good in other matchups, right? In the Warrior matchup, you're not upset playing ramming mount and doggy Biscuit and seeing them just fall to on the de- on the defense have, have like their comeback potential isn't particularly great. This looks like a paladin deck with burn spells. It's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a paladin deck because of of the buff. That is true. And anomaly just lends itself to this deck because you have a lot of spells and a lot of buffs and this card just can just completely snowball can just grow so big that you just can't remove it. And any kind of chip damage that you can do through the board with minions in this deck, it just helps you finish off games later on with the burn uh, that you eventually direct to face. So it just really fits the, the, the strategy of this deck and what it wants to achieve. And it's very powerful. Um, I'm surprised to to see no True Aim crest in the list too. I was really expecting to see True Aim still be in there. Yeah, so here's the thing. I actually looked at True Aim Crescent because I expected, oh, Tundra is really popular and Crescent is going to be really good. No, you don't want Crescent in the Tundra matchup, even though it's good in that matchup in the old build. This deck doesn't beat Tondroid by swinging back. This deck beats Tondroid by getting ahead and leveraging that through buffs to push the Druid off the board. You're pressing the initiative. You're not playing reactively. You are trying to snowball on the Druid with this deck. And since you're trying to snowball on the Druid, then Crescent isn't relevant or is far less relevant or not needed, not necessary to execute your game plan. Because imagine you're playing a one-drop and then you play Biscuit on it and you value trade and good luck, Druid. Right, or you're playing ramming mount at any point in the game. If you're playing a, a, an aggressive mirror, and you're playing ramming mount, what the hell does the opponent even do? Oh, it's devastating. I was testing. I was testing zoo earlier this week, and I got ramming mounted. And I was like, their their thing is invincible. It never dies. And even if it does, they still have the two two after. Yeah, they have the two two after, which is. Just so demoralizing when you're in a position where you're behind and they have a ramming mount. Whatever you play, they just value trade it, right? Which allows them to push face with other stuff. And like the druid, what the hell does Tondra do when if it falls behind? It has an it's facing an immune minion. I mean, you need to hope that you survive until Oracle Battleguard Graybow or something. You you need to like I don't know uh, Oracle Anoyatron and hope that they can't value trade effectively the next turn so you can kind of take hold of the board to some degree, it's very difficult. So uh, this list is nuts. It's it's truly nuts. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't really lose uh, percentages in other matchups. It's not like it's worse against Quest Mage. It's not like it's like you're going to feel worse against Quest Mage because you're playing buffs and you're fo- you have more board focus than before. You're still going to do a lot of damage to them and... That's going to make it difficult. And obviously, a matchup like Celestial Druid, like if you buff things, then what the, like, <laughs> I mean, they, they can't deal with minions anyways. It's, they can't deal with four health. They look at the Lunar Eclipse, they look at the minion, they're like, all right, I'm going to go. Yeah. So if you play Anomaly and you, you biscuit it, that's it. The Anomaly is going to oh deal like 15 God. damage to the Druid by itself. 
Like they can't do anything. So that's just instantly a three five or a four five. It's a Yeti. That's Innervate Yeti. Yeah, basically, you're a turn two Yeti. It's just so strong. Uh, it's even better than a turn two Yeti because it attacks on the turn it's played. It's like a Yeti with charge on turn two. It's it's really powerful. Um, so yeah, it's just just good. And it also the whole health buffing thing also fits Guardian Og Merchant really well. You don't need Bone Chewer in this deck because you're just like you're buffing something and then you put a Divine Shield on it. Like good luck. So. The, the list is, is just very good, and I was just really impressed with how it performed, and it just has to be in the report because it's the best, one of the best lists of 30 cards you can play. Anomaly is is a thing. Uh, Quest Hunter have been very quiet. There's not much to say about it, um, really. We'll see, like, after the patch, maybe I'm giving it a better chance, even though it beats Tundruid, and, like, like, Technically, you're nerfing two of the deck that it beats, like Quest Mage and Tauntruid. I think that Quest Hunter is the kind of deck that just needs more breathing room. And right now, it's not really getting that. So Yeah. it's We're also just waiting for the next burn spell to be printed, and we're probably under a month away from the next expansion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens then. Yep. Um. All right. Warlock time. So... Slinger in the early data looked insane. Is this still the case? Yes, it is, but you can tell me. Yeah. I mean, Slinger is insane. Uh, yep. Nothing else to say about it. Card is bonkers. Handlock uh, looks very, very strong. Yeah. There have been games I've played where, like, I'm against a minion deck. I was doing. I was against an elemental shaman. I ended the game with both soul rends in my hand because I just kept slingering their stuff. Like, it just they just couldn't stay on the board. Yeah, uh, Slinger is just really, really powerful addition to this deck and a powerful addition to Warlock uh, in general. Yeah, and Blizzard Data says Handlock's the second best deck in the game right now. Uh, the Tiang the Ding data? Oh, and 1%? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We have a Tier 1 Top Legend. It's one of the best four decks in the format. Uh, it's it's not getting nerfed. <laughs> nope. Um... And both Rogue and Mage were bad matchups for it, and I think that it was fine against Druid, but, like, sometimes you would whiff on Soul Rend and not have the Drain Soul on two no, and then get blown it, up. Druid wasn't the thing. The thing is, you're nerfing Mage and Rogue. Yeah, which that's are, really, really good for Handlock. Uh, Mage is one of the toughest matchups for Handlock, and Garot Rogue was also a to- uh, high levels of play. Rogue is favored in that matchup, so you're taking that away. And you're not nerfing this deck to do so. Uh, hello, yes, Face Hunter is very good against Handlock, but if Face Hunter is the counter to Handlock, Handlock can adjust to this matchup as well. You can run Baker, you can run Altar of uh, Fire in order to activate your Bristlebacks earlier. There are all sorts of things you can do to improve against Face Hunter too. And then what? Poison Rogue. Hmm. Is that the deck that you need to rely on to beat Handlock? So, Lifesteal DH? Lifesteal DH? You get a glide up? Lifesteal DH loses. No, you lose oh, to Handlock. Goodness. You lose to Handlock. You don't beat them. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the case that Handlock yeah. is favored against Quest Lifesteal Damage. Let me check. Right, just, I remember. Just... No, we talked about it. You're right, because if you just play your cards out instead of uh, like coin backfiring or whatever... Then you yeah, beat yeah. the glass. Handlock does not lose this matchup. I'm not sure if it's 
favored or it's like a slight edge or it's like close to yeah it's something like that it's close but life steal the edge is definitely not a not a viable not, not a reliable counter to handlock you know neophytes and the raised deaths and the like no so there are very few strategies that reliably beat handlock and you're nerfing two of them and handlock is already insane so you can only speculate that this is going to be the the deck to beat uh after the patch uh and um the meta will have to adjust to it. Now I did look at handlock and I was thinking, like, what do you even nerf? Like I can I can I can see Team Five thinking about nerfing handlock and just not knowing what to what to even do at this point uh to this deck. But it's also fair to wait and see. Uh maybe if you nerf Tondruid, right? You're gonna encourage um certain strategies to be more greedy. Things like the Libram Paladin maybe gets a little bit greedier and that helps it perform better in the handlock matchup. That matchup is close. Like Paladin is comfortable in that matchup. But maybe if you know the Fell Demon Hunter comes to play, maybe the Warrior can start playing Rattlegore, uh, you know, then things are gonna change uh in terms of dynamics in the late game against handlock. But on paper, I don't know. This this deck seems like a instant pick perma ban in Masters Tour next weekend. Like Yep, I honestly don't know. Like, if if somebody came to me and said, uh, "What do you think about a lineup for the next weekend's Master Tour?" I find it hard to justify ever not bringing it and banning it. Yeah, you might be able to go with a hard target sort of thing if you really wanted to, but I hard target. So you have to play like Face Hunter, Poison Rogue, and Good Luck. Uh, What, What do you do? There are no four decks in the format. After like, if you nerf Quest Mage. In Quest Mage, let's say, let's assume Quest Mage is crippled by this. And Garot Rogue is far worse. And it's not like it's not like Garot Rogue hard counters Handlock right now. It doesn't even hard counter it. It's like slightly favored. Then you don't even have four decks that can reliably beat Handlock. So you can't even target it. So the, the way I see it, you can't even target it. You cannot target a hat. If you don't have Quest Mage in your repertoire in your arsenal, in your options, then it becomes really difficult to target Handlock. It was already difficult to do it now. And after the patch, <laughs> good luck. Okay, really, so good luck. questions. One, did Baron's no minion mage, did Baron's spell mage beat Handlock? He cut the quest. I don't even... I guess we don't know. We never really saw the data. I don't even... I, no, I don't think I... <laughs> Like, I don't think people are going to play spell mage without the I'm not the saying quest. will they, but would it be that? Like, I don't know. This is a question I'm just thrown out there. I don't need an answer right now. Maybe I, I highly maybe doubt it. Do the hammer elemental shaman? Maybe there's something there. Mm, I don't think so. No, that's not a reliable way to beat handlock. So then no, you just ban it. Definitely right. not. Okay. I think handlock is even favored against the doomhammer build. Really, uh, handlock is just nuts. Yeah. yeah. Handlock is just nuts. Handlock is just nuts. So maybe we just ban it. Yeah, I I, I don't see how you target it effectively. At least with the current numbers on paper, like the the current numbers on paper, this deck is just untargetable. The context of the format is going to change significantly, but yeah, it's just really strong at what it does. Um, And it's got such a huge amount of point removal combined with these crazy power swings and, and just the right amount of threats. But you're talking about things to nerf. Zach, I know you were waiting for me to say it. 
Make raise dead cost mana. Make it cost mana. Uh, no. Raise dead is not the problem, Hat. It I'm, really I'm isn't the problem. I'm not saying it's not the problem. I'm saying if you're looking for a card to nerf, you could hit raise dead. But you got to be careful with Tamsin. You got to be careful how that works. Um, you can move soul uh, ren to five. There are a lot of things you could do. It's probably if I had to nerf something in handlock. Oh. You could you could maybe reduce the healing on touch. Yeah, you could reduce the healing on touch or make touch, it cost two. Soul rent, maybe yeah. backfire. Though I don't like nerfing backfire just because it's one of the cards that feels good to play with that deck and nerfing it, it, it could would also be, cripple the deck yeah. significantly. Like the deck is fun. The deck is fun and it's not bad to have around. It just needs more tuning, maybe. I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping again. I'm hoping that the meta adjusted is able to. Like some of the matchups that you see on paper now, maybe lean more towards the opponent if they're focused on just beating Handlock rather than worrying about a deck like Tauntrit. That does have an effect, I will say. So we'll see. Um, Zoo. So Zoo is a deck that's really hard to figure out. I didn't even like the the list that I published in this report. Uh, it's just the the question is. Okay, so we don't want to play the quest in Zoo. We definitely don't. The question is, is Zoo just not figured out or is the card quality just not there? Is the reason why I have to run things like Traveling Merchant, is that is the reason it's just that they're not, not good enough cards in this archetype, that it's just not good enough and that's why we're playing cards that aren't great in this deck? Or... Is there something that we haven't really found out? Uh, I saw a suggestion uh, to run Gandling and the Cute Package. Um, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> Maybe that's what we want to do if we're playing Gandling. like a tokeny deck. Yeah, Gandling and and Deskimp. Deskimp is a demon, so it works with Bartender. Um. Maybe. Maybe you play the cute package. Maybe there are other things you can do, but Zoo is not figure out. There are a lot of slots there, like at least, I think, six, maybe even eight cards that you can swap out, and if you find better cards, then I'm very open to it. The 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 what the thing that makes Zoo succeed right now is the token package. You definitely want Fiendish Circle with Ritual of Doom. That's a powerful combo in the current meta. Um, you want Wicked uh, Shipment? That's a really good card, huh? It's actually a good card. But, you it know, is? awkward things like Raise Dead. We have to play Raise Dead in a token zoo deck. Maybe we just drop Raise Dead. Raise Dead is not particularly good in this deck, in this list that I posted. So yeah. maybe maybe there's better things to do. But Zoo right now doesn't look great, but I'm open to seeing uh, improvement uh, through refinement. Um, the, the main thing is drop the quest. Try to play Zoo the classic way, and maybe there will be a solution there. If only we had Voidwalker. I miss that little guy. I really miss Void- Voidwalker. When you play Zoo, you just want to see Voidwalker. I, that was a big nerf to Zoo with uh, Voidwalker not being part of core. But in any case, Paladin. Um, You know, we hinted. Libran Paladin, you know, I, I don't know, like, the patch might have 
might as well have been written by a diehard Libran Paladin player. Like, ask the Libran Paladin player what they want. They will tell you, I want you to nerf Mage, and I want you to nerf Rogue, and I want you to nerf Tondred. And that's exactly what happened. That's pretty much perfect patch for Libran Paladin. Like, the two oppressive matchups in the late game that it just couldn't deal with because of their, you know, OTK potential or, like, infinite damage potential in the case of Mage, more accurate to say. Um, like, now it doesn't... It's not going to have to deal with them uh, to that amount of, like, the, their current popularity. I mean, they're really popular ducks. And they're really weighing down on Libben Paladin. And then, Libben Paladin's other weakness is that if you have a priority kill target in the early game it doesn't really have a way to access that kind of minion so things like battle guard is something that paladin really struggles to deal with i've won so many games against paladin by just like turn one peasant and then they don't have coin sword and then i sprint like they just can't well, do Libra anything paladin, the non-secret build doesn't even run uh Sword. So you play peasant going first against Paladin. It just it just draws three cards. So like Paladin just struggles against snowballing early game minions. It's pretty good at dealing with a wide board later in the game. It's pretty good at dealing with a big board later in the game. But when you have those high priority must kill targets in the early game, it doesn't really its answers don't really come online. So you nerf the biggest must-kill target in the format in Battleguard, and of course, Paladin will be very pleased with it. So, Lebanon Paladin, after the patch, the fact that it's very strong against the rest of the field, other than those three matchups, it doesn't really... Uh, Quest Rogue becomes the oppressive matchup that sticks yeah. around, maybe. And um, Control Priest? And I'm, I don't mm. even have data for Control Priest. I don't even know what its matchups look like, but... I, I'm not trusting Control Priest to come back. But. I'm just saying that it, we could at least go partial Yoink, if not full Yoink. I don't know. It's it's matchup against Handlock, which is going to be a key matchup, is very close. Potentially, maybe Paladin can even get an edge. Because in that matchup, after the Handlock got nerfed, it's very, very reliant. Like, Flesh Giants are very are slow now. So it's very, very reliant on the Tamsin win condition and fatigue in order to win that matchup because the Flesh Giant, the threat uh, plan with scavengers and, so, and stuff, it, it, it almost... It doesn't get it done against Paladin. They have the Liberum of Justice. They have the Bear of... They will find the answer by the time you're able to develop a big and wide board. Uh, so... You really have to just win in fatigue. And it's not easy beating uh, Liber Paladin in fatigue because they have tons of healing. They can delay quite a bit and they have a lot of pressure. Like it's very hard for Warlock to consistently kill 8-8s with Divine Shield. That's not an easy undertaking. You have to combo multiple cards in order to achieve that. So fatiguing Liber Paladin, not so easy when the Liber Wisdoms come online and every minion that they play is a big threat. And your life total is pressured, and you want to complete the quest while playing Tamsin and starting to like it's hard. So Paladin looks really well positioned, Libin Paladin. Um Secret Paladin, I think, I mean, already in this uh meta kind of lost its meaning just because um, you know, it's even worse against Tantrid than Libin Paladin. It's even has even less reactive tools to uh, in order to deal with it. And also now that major rogue are getting nerfed. 
that's the main reason why you would run the secret package over just the, the full defensive Libran Paladin. Uh, other Paladin decks also pretty happy with these with these balance changes, mostly because Tondrid it just just kills Paladins. Uh, this deck just does everything that Paladin hates to face, even on the initiative end of the spectrum. When you're looking at you know decks that want to pressure in the early game, uh, like Secret Paladin, like uh, like the Stealth new the new Stealth Paladin with the Infiltrator and Delinquent. Uh, with authority, those decks lose to Tundra pretty hard. So we'll see if they come back. And the thing is, I will say that buffing Paladin decks are well positioned against Handlock. So maybe something like Hand Buff Paladin comes in to, you know, to counter to save the Handlock. Us all. The pro- yeah, the problem is that Hand Buff Paladin tends to significantly drop off in its performance at higher levels of play. Even when it's really good at lower ranks, when it comes to like the high end ends of ladder, it really drops off. So I don't really trust hand buff paladin to be the way to counter handlock consistently um you know at higher levels of play or people bring in at tournaments. Like I don't think that it's gonna be a popular pick at tournament next week just to counter handlock. So that that's the main thing. It tends to get outpaced by faster strategies. So even though like Tondroid is going away, maybe Tondroid is keeping other faster strategies that Hunbuff is also not comfortable facing. And they're just gonna rise up and and beat down Paladin that way. So it's hard to say. But I do think that Paladin is poised for success after yeah. the patch. And it seems like just the nature of what happens whenever sets are released is that uh Oftentimes they push off board strategies and pull them back with nerfs and they end up once again nerfing until Libram Paladin is the best deck or one of the best decks. And here we are again, at least from what we can project, it seems like a likely trajectory here. And, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but it's happened more than once, multiple times. I will say that whenever Libram Paladin was good, I think the meta was good. Yeah, generally it's a it's a good strategy to be on the high end. Maybe the only exception is when Paladin was kind of stupid at the beginning of Barons. It was a yeah. bit stupid. At that point, maybe not. But, um, you know, when Libroom Paladin was good last year, that was one of the best metas uh, that, you know, people remember fondly. I think that Pal- Libroom Paladin is one of the most well-designed archetypes ever. Personally, I think that, like, in terms of the flavor, in terms of, you know, feeling... Like I'm playing a Paladin deck. This very much feels like a Paladin deck, yet it it still has decision making. It doesn't like completely. It's not completely. It doesn't play itself. Like the late game has some intri- uh, nuances. Yeah, it's not paint by numbers. It takes it takes skill to pilot, but also it's very evocative, flavorfully, and again, it is a good litmus test for what you want to be powerful. And it's just generally inoffensive. How often do you hear, even when Paladin, when Liber Paladin was good, how often do people complain about Paladin feeling unfair? It can do powerful things, yet somehow they don't feel unfair. I think that if you ask people that primarily play aggressive decks how they feel about Liberum of Hope, you might get some choice words. I mean, sure, but it takes time for them to get the Liberum of Hope online. Even if they play... Truth Seeker on five and an Aldor attended, you're still looking at like 
at most turn six, turn seven. Usually they play the Libram of Hope in aggressive matchups. So there's still time to do that. I'm, I'm not saying that it is unfair. I'm saying that players might say things. Yeah, they might say things, but it's it it doesn't it, it doesn't attract nearly anywhere near the complaints, even when it's popular compared to like other decks out, you know, we've come to know. Yeah. This is just like Highlander Hunter last year where like the play rate stays about the same, the power level is high, but there's just kind of this glass ceiling because people just don't want to play it much anymore because it's been around in such a similar fashion for so long. So they don't need to nerf it because it's self-policing. <laughs> I mean, there's no justification to nerf it for parallel reasons still. And even if it becomes really popular after the patch, even if that happens, you know, you can always play Quas Rogue and just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's answers. I'm not fearful of like Libin Paladin as much as Handlock. Yeah. Just because um you know, Handlock even in like matchup like Face Hunter can adjust. Uh Libin Paladin, the matchups where it loses, there is very little way to adjust. You can't you can't adjust to like Quest Rogue. Uh if you like if face hunter starts countering handlock you can adjust you can play baker you can play like there are several car choices in handlock that make that matchup closer and if it wants to focus on beating face hunter it can do that not beating but losing less far less uh even poison rogue you can just run viper and that changes a lot yeah right but when it comes to paladin like the ability to adjust isn't quite there because uh, no so, matter what you do, you lose to one mana saps and two mana vile spines. Those are things yeah, that yeah, you do you not just see. Can't, you can't deal with such brutally efficient single target removal yep. as Paladin. And that's what Rogue does. All right. We are done with the happier classes. Let's talk about the sad classes. Uh, and we'll start with Shaman here. One of the most popular questions, one of the most popular questions is, Zach, how are you dropping Slogger from your Quest Shaman? Um, well, think about the current meta and think about the matchups where Slogger is good in, like where it's a net positive. You have Face Hunter, and that's kind of it. Uh, like Tundroid, you don't need Slogger. What you need is to stabilize the board. You don't need to stabilize yeah. your life total as much as the board. It's Face Hunter and Shadow Priest are the two. Yeah, Shadow Priest barely sees play, so it's not really relevant. Yeah. Warrior, it can be nice, but it's not actually nice because when you think about all their early game minions and what Slugger wants to run into, it's not that effective. Also, it's not going to... Like, Warrior is not... Can kill you from 20, right? With Mr. Smite. Yeah, it's not ship damage. It's chunks. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of damage. So even if you're a high life total... You can still die. What saves you is taunts. What saves you is getting to charge call and playing uh, summoning Colossus. That's what stabilizes the matchup. So, Quest Shaman, what it wants to do right now is that it wants to draw cards. <laughs> Pretty much. Multicaster solves this Dax card draw problem. Because before, you had to run Dungeoneer, Right, and Dungeoneer is kind of awkward because it doesn't really fit the deck in terms of because you wanna you want spells with different spell schools, and now you have Multicaster, which is fantastic. So now Quest Shaman doesn't run out of cards, and it feels better to play, but it is worse. 
because yeah, the meta did creep up a bit on it, and yeah, contextually worse. Yeah, and I don't like the the problem is that the prospects post patch aren't great either because if Handlock is going to be this dominant deck, you know it's almost as bad as Quest Mage. The yeah. matchup is almost as bad. Well, I don't feel like Paladin's really the deck you want to play against either. Well, like you're fine against Paladin. It's you're fine. like fifty fifty against Libra yeah. Paladin. You don't mind them. You also don't mind like if Face Hunter becomes really prominent, then you're just gonna sl- put in the Sloggers back, right? And yeah, you're gonna be able to beat them uh, pretty consistently. So that's fine. The question is the the Handlock. How good is Handlock after the patch? That's going to affect how que- how good Quest Shaman is. Uh, Elemental Shaman also got worse. You know, before the patch, you had these Grot Rogue. Lifesteal Demon Hunter meta, a top legend that suddenly put Elemental Shaman in a, in a great position. Uh, and what, it was also great elsewhere. But now, Druid of the Reef, I noticed that it tilted the matchup for Tondrid more in its favor because Reef is an answer to Wailing Vapor. Yeah. Yeah. Wailing Vapor. It's also great against all of your early game minions. Uh, you, as a taunt, it's very annoying if you play it as a Voidwalker. Just a good card all around that buffed Tundrid, but very specifically buffed Tundrid against Elemental Shaman. Um, and, you know, Face Hunter now starts running buffs. That snowball on top of you. So you can really struggle dealing with things like Ramming Mount. Uh, so I noticed that matchup has be, like start started to trend towards the the hunter, not in terms of hunter being favored, but hunter started to gain percentages. So the the field warrior is also difficult now, um, definitely more difficult than it was before. So the field kind of crept up in power, and elemental shaman stayed the same. The new cards, not really like brilliant macaw, hasn't impressed in quest shaman. Definitely not impressive in elemental shaman either. Just seems too situational. I still think this card might be nuts one day, but today is not that day. Yeah. That's, uh, I know that people are, have been trying things with Macaw for a while, but you just want to play Elementals or Overload cards. and play other stuff. And then we have a very messy class, Demon Hunter. We know at this point, we know that Proving Grounds is not it. But what else is going on here? Okay, so Life Still Demon Hunter... We talked about it in the Rogue session. Uh, why this deck uh, fell off a bit. But it is getting better as um, Warrior hype is dying down. Celestial Druid hype is dying down. Those two decks are are the cause if for uh, Lifesteal Demon Hunter's uh, fall in prominence. Uh, it still counters Garot Rogue. So it's got that going for it. Uh, a new card needs for Greed. This card is insane. Oh, it's very I, good. Very I good. wanted to put two copies of Need for Greed in this deck. I just couldn't fit it. I couldn't find a fit. And I'm not sure what to do there in order to put two. But the card is so good in the stack. Wow. It's just, it's just really strong. So definitely that's at least the 30th card in the deck. If not more than that. But again, um, I don't think I like the prospects of it after the patch. Just because... You know, Garot Rogue is pretty much the reason you exist as a deck right now. You're also very good against Quest Mage. And Handlock isn't as easy of a matchup 
Uh, Paladin isn't particularly easy either. So we'll see. Maybe if the meta slows down and, you know, you see slower things like uh, warrior decks that are, you know, turtle up rather than be aggressive, then situation for Lifesteal Demon under improved. It does have one thing going for it. If Quest Mage and Garot Rogue disappear, then it's it becomes the, the OTK deck, right? So maybe if the meta slows down a bit and and you see more decks that more decks rise that lost to the previous OTK deck, suddenly run into oh I'm still around, Ilganoth is still around. So it's definitely possible that Lifesteal Demon Hunter, even though on paper in the matchup wise um, you don't see a lot of promise, there are a lot of decks that are invisible right now that it beats that may come back. So you have to. Watch out for that. The best Demon Hunter decks right now is Fell Demon Hunter. It's very little play, but it's very likely the best one in most ladder brackets, especially the higher ones, the the, the higher rank brackets, because Fell Demon Hunter still obliterates Tondred and Face Hunter. And I think that's going to be relevant post-patch uh, when it comes to the matchup against Face Hunter. If you want to counter, counter that, Fell Demon Hunter does it super effectively. And Feldeman Hunter also goes 50-50 against Handlock. So a, a large presence of Handlock is not something that Feldeman Hunter fears. It does fear Paladin to some degree, but if it's Liberal Paladin, the defensive one that doesn't run Omayog, it's better. Like, yeah, it's better for the Demon chance. Hunter. Yeah, yeah. It, the matchup is better. Like, it's not oppressive or anything. Maybe slightly Paladin unfavored, but you're in a better spot. So I think that that's kind of it. Uh, Big Demon Hunter is not a thing. Death Battle is okay. It's definitely playable. Right now, though, Tundra is tough. I think it's going to get better after the patch uh, because that matchup is is bad. Yeah, really, really, really like, bad. Death Battle, Death Battle Demon Hunter really doesn't like being outpaced on the board. It really wants to be the faster deck in a matchup. It doesn't have good ways to come back. It has some rush minions, but no. It wants to... You want to use the rush minions. Like, you want to use the 4-mana 3-3 to pop some taunts to protect your little death rattles so that you can go face with them so that when your opponent has to trade into those, then they poop out more minions, and then you go face with those. Like, you really just want to use the death rattles as a means to apply more pressure. If you're trading with your death rattle minions, you're missing the point. Yeah, and also, you don't have... Removal, almost no good removal. So if they play a battle guard, there's pretty much nothing you can do to answer that. So those decks kind of, decks that lose to battle guard pretty much uh, are going to have a better time. Yep. And Zach, I should tell you, I have to admit, this is a confessional, I did get debated into trying out Brute DH again. I lost to it yesterday. I actually lost to it yesterday. Because Brute on turn four, like three, seven, eight Brutes on turn four. What am I supposed to do? Okay. I played two, six, seven Brutes on turn three against the Liberum Paladin, and I lost that game. The deck is awful. It's so that bad. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, it, it doesn't look anywhere near competitive. Yep. I'm sad. I Me too. I'm, it was bad. It was, it was unhealthy, but I had a lot of fun with it. 
It was unhealthy, but it was like a burger, right? It was, yeah. No, it's un, it's not healthy for you, but the cheeseburger, it just tastes so good, right? Oh, man, I love I really enjoyed the cheeseburger when it was there. Yep. Oh. It's, uh, I, I got shared the list, and I had 29 of it in golden, so I just golded a single need for greed, and I went about my business, but I didn't. I think I lost every game. Maybe I won one game. Um, all right, two classes left. Mage. Now, interestingly enough, we made Mage better this week. The deck got better by adding a minion, and it was not Wand Thief. Yeah, Multicaster is really good in this deck. Um, Surprise! I'm already seeing, like, people don't don't get it. Like, I'm seeing, wait, am I really seeing this? Oh, no. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? People are keeping Multicaster in their opening hand. Wait, what? Oh, just stop it. <laughs> Just what? stop it. It's a four drop. You know, it's not common. It's not super common, but it happens. Just just stop it, guys. What are you doing? Yeah, the point is, Multicaster is good. The reason why it's good is because it's a good reload card later in the game. It just adds consistency to what you want to do. Uh, it's very rare that you play it on four and you're super happy with it. However, you can think about it as a, like it's almost like a cram session, right? Uh, an unconditional cram session later in the game that makes it so that you can actually save your cram sessions for when you complete the quest. So, uh, Multicaster, once I saw it, I was impressed with it. I think it's very good. As long as you understand its role, then it's going to perform. Uh, at least, you know, it's not a, it's going to perform better than... You know, things like a Pegasus Blast that I was struggling with and, you know, the Wand Thieves. Those all sorts of... There was always those last two slots that you had to put a mediocre card in. And now Multicaster looks pretty good. Um, even with Multicaster, though, this deck isn't amazing. Maybe it's 50% win rate, slightly above it, if you do that. If it gets ever gets more popular, then people are just going to run the counters. The point is, Quest Mage isn't particularly great. It's just that it would have stayed good enough to stay super popular. And if you nerfed the Rogue and you left Mage alone, then I pretty much guarantee you that people would be playing far more Mage, especially at high levels, which right now is a deck that, you know, at high levels, it, it drops off a bit. But imagine a, a patch where you nerf Garot Rogue and after the patch, top legend, you see over 10% quest mages. And of course, you see 15% quest mage everywhere else on ladder. So I think that's something that players, probably most players wouldn't be able to stand. Uh, and and that's the reason why Team 5 uh, uh, ultimately nerfed this deck. Also, to set things up for the next expansion makes a lot of sense. Uh, you don't want this deck to be another a, a continuing hot button issue when you introduce a new expansion uh, when you introduce new cards and and people start memeing oh this deck just loses the quest mage or this deck just loses the quest mage or this card is useless because quest mage this deck had its time in the sun and it's time to go uh, yep it's stories they don't like stories staying the same for more than six months uh, it's part of the reason why they nerfed Penflinger and Jandis Barov and all the Paladin cards and all that. And, like, and unlike Ticketus Warlock, which they did leave alone, Ticketus Warlock was worse. Ticketus Warlock was bad. It was a tier four deck. 
Yeah, and it was around for one expansion. It was one expansion. This deck is hanging on at tier three and starting, like, trying to creep up to tier two. And sometimes, occasionally, in some rank brackets, it is tier two. And it's a decent deck. And it's a good enough deck to stay this popular. When a deck is good enough to stay around the 49%, 50% win rate range, even if it's arguably super overplayed compared to other decks in the format, it's going to stay this popular if people really, some people, really enjoy playing this deck. Now, yep. again, the discussion is like, the, the discussion of the cause to, was Quasmage a design mistake. I think that's not as uh, easy answer as you would think because this deck still was liked and was loved by a lot of players who really enjoyed playing it. And that's kind of why it was popular because it was really fun for a lot of people to play. So calling it a design mistake, I think is a little bit reductive and simplistic. They the, kind of the painted themselves is... into a corner because this deck is the magiest deck ever. It hits all the class identity stuff square in the nose. Yes. It feels very evocative. It feels good. You play mage, yeah. you're definitely feeling, you're playing quest mage, you're definitely feeling like you're playing the class. The flavor is great. It feels amazing to play. Uh, it's just horrible experience to play against for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. And the fact that it's so popular because it is liked by a section of the players just perpetuated its popularity. If Quest Mage was like 5%, like imagine, think about Poison Rogue. Like Poison Rogue is a good example. Poison Rogue is far more toxic, in my opinion. Literally? Huh? Because eh? the poison? Far more toxic poisons than are toxic. Quest Mage. If Poison Rogue was 10% of the meta or like 12% of the meta, this deck would be unbearable. But because it's a fringe deck, then people are not complaining about it. If Quest Mage was a, was a fringe deck, people would not be complaining about it as much as they do because you wouldn't constantly run into it and experience the th same thing, obnoxious thing that you're experiencing when you get into a Quest Mage and you play minions and you feel like what you're doing is just a stepping stone uh, to what they want to achieve. So, if it, but because it's so popular and because it's a successful deck from a design perspective of does this feel fun to play, right? Then it ended up being this issue, right? Where, you know, it's it's not fun to play against and it's really popular and that's pe causing people to get sick of it. So yep. when you have these high exposure decks and they do have, like, Questmage does have a very dominant win condition that could keep it relevant in later expansions, right? Because it's a fast win condition. It it forces the meta to play faster. It's the fun police. This is the fun police. If you want to play Elwyn Boars, or even if you want to do, like, Purified Charts, or no, even if anything. you just want to play an 8-drop hat, yeah. if you just want to play 8-drops and 9-drops again, then Questmage impedes that. So yeah. if Team 5, if, if, if you know that their intention, we've heard it, that they do want you to play 8 and 9 mana cards and feel good about doing that, then this deck had to be addressed at some point. Um, and I think now is a good time for that, especially when you're nerfing Garot Rogue. You've made a conscious decision to slow down and open up space for late game strategies to appear in the next expansion by nerfing those two specific decks. Um, so I think that's a good move. Yep, it was just time. The nerf is big. The nerf is significant. Like, 
we haven't talked about the nerf. Like spell damage two instead of spell oh, like huge. cutting cutting this this win condition, the power of this reward by a third. I, I, do I really need to explain why this is significant? Like, think about this, okay? Another one and Baron Scavenger no longer die to a post-quest fire sale. Yep. Cram session draws you three. All your one mana removal, all your one mana removal are less effective. So all of your removal is far less effective. Your damage potential is slower. You still have the infinite damage, but it's slower. It's not as easy to just kill them within one, two turns. Um, it stacks. Like, this is a huge nerf that's going to significantly tone down the deck's power level. Now, maybe it ends up being a fringe deck because people still love playing it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it still being played, especially at like bronze ranks, silver ranks. I still expect that to be played, but it will be far less popular because some people will just dust the quest. I think a lot of people are going to. I think this is a really smart nerf because this is the only legendary in the card. And I really feel like, I, I feel like just giving people the opportunity to cash out is so clear here that I expect yeah, a lot of people to take it's, it up. It's a, like it's a cheap deck, so part of its popularity also at low ranks is because it's cheap, right? Uh, so just giving them the dust refund, like go play something else, it, it can definitely work. Um, I think it will still be around, but it will be like these this tier four deck that you know it's gonna be like Celestial Droid maybe. But not not see that much play. Maybe it will be Ticketus Warlock, you know, when people figure out that it was bad. Uh, but uh, like even the win condition right now, I don't think it's going to be as effect, uh, as effective against slower strategies as it is right now, because it's far easier to pressure the mage when all of the removal deals one less damage. That's really important. It's not just about the reach the ignites. You need to think about the fire sale and what that kills and what that no longer kills. Or the first flames and such. So it's it's a big nerf. Yep. And uh not really other mage decks to speak of right now. So No. Hope they get some new cards soon. Yeah. I am like Mage is one of my favorite classes. I will say that. Like after Rogue, I would put Mage as my second favorite class. Um but it just feels like this class has been forever about one thing. Like, it, it's been how long, how long? It's just Spell Mage, right? Eight Since Barons? Did we have any other Mage deck that was relevant? Not really, right? So it, it feels like this, that, this class has been this one thing for like eight months now. So we need a refresher. Do other things. Yeah. Remember Cyclomage? Remember how much people complain about Cyclomage? I'm pretty sure a lot of people miss Cyclomage right now. How cool that deck was to play and how interesting it was to play. Even though it had elements that were, uh, you know, the random elements that people were frustrated by. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people miss that deck right now, right about now. Uh, I thought that was a really cool deck. That really exemplifies uh, Skullman's in its heyday. It sure did. Along with seven mana guardian animals. And back then, back in my day, Zach, Secret Pass used to draw five cards. It oh, was man. so stupid. It was so how stupid. Nutty, how nutty is it still at four? How good is this card still at four? 
It's it's still one of the best rogue cards, and it used to be twenty five percent better. Yeah. Anyway, priest. Oh, Are you boy. excited about renew hat? Well, no. let me tell you something. I don't think it'll be good, and if it is good, I'm still not excited. No, but do you think that Control Priest is going to come back? Because I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter thinking that Control Priest is coming back. Let me remind them that Elusia is dead. Yeah. The witch is dead. There is no way to counter inevitability right now. Like, yeah, you nerfed some inevitability. That's good for, like, the rogue and mage nerf help a lot. But Elusia is gone. Like, the deck is not the way, it's not the same as it was before. It's not like you took yeah. the deck. Also, Apotheosis is still nerfed. And Apotheosis was more important than Renew. I mean, control outside priest. of Samuro, Apo, and Elusia, the deck is the same, right? Those yeah, outside of literally the, the, the most important components of the deck, the counter to in late-key matchups to combos, right? That little thing. And then yeah. the best, single best two-card combination that Priest could muster. Besides that, Control Priest is basically the same. I don't know. When you also add the fact that Handlock is likely going to be very, very strong, I really don't know. Like Demon Seed is something that just hard counters Priest. So I really don't know how Priest is supposed, like Control Priest is supposed to function if it's faces a significant amount of handlocks. I don't know, maybe mount Elec Mount, maybe you you have some pressure plan that can kill the warlock, but I don't know. I have to see it in the flesh in order to to believe it, but that's going to be a problem. So I don't think Controlpus is coming back, but I, I wait to see whether there will be some surprise, but I could see it being a role player if the format is like if you accept the bad handlock matchup. You accept a 1090 matchup, a 1585 matchup. You can't survive in a meta and be competitive if. I mean, just ask the Celestial Druid. You can't have a 1585 matchup. People are still playing it. The playgrade is still. You see no, it. No, but it. Yes, but it's it's dropping and it's also like it. It's bad. <laughs> I know it it's bad. We spent all. the entire last week dunking on it. Listen, I'm not saying Control Priest is going to be good. I'm saying if a player sees Quest Warrior or Rush Warrior or whatever, and they see a bunch of Taunt Druids, and they see a Face Hunter, and they see Paladins, and they say, I can build a Priest deck that beats some of these, I bet that they probably can. Do you beat Quest Warrior as Priest? I don't know. I'm not a Priest player. Do you beat Mr. Smite as Priest? Like, think about it. You have constant damage, constant pressure, infinite pressure, basically. If you have a bunch of Light Showers and Moorg Forge Fiends, I don't know. Yes, but you have to stay above 20 life, like, throughout the entire game. Good thing they got healing sure. buffed. That's, I, I wouldn't bet on it. I don't think it will be meta-defining. I think it will be something that we will see in the data. I think we'll probably tell people it's underwhelming, and I think that, like couple percent of people will be able to play it and people that really want to play priest will be able to play priest and it won't feel embarrassingly behind except for a couple matchups that feel unwinnable i don't know i think it will be embarrassing i think it might be embarrassing i don't know i think it might be embarrassing but but who knows maybe the undying amulet is going to be a thing because people have been trying it out so or maybe it's time for a miracle priest maybe we're there 
No, probably not. I know, but Shadow Priest is pretty good. I think Shadow Priest is, is going to be fine. I saw the new build with uh, we're we're putting Ganling back, right? We never dropped it. People did, but we didn't. So Ganling is still good, and you know Tondrid being nerfed, and Face Hunter maybe rising to prominence more. That's that's good news for for Shadow Priest. So I think this deck is playable playable even now. I think this deck is pretty decent right now. Priest is not as dead as it looks. Shadow Priest is totally fine. It's just that the, you know, the control priest aspect, the other end of the spectrum, where I'm a, a little bit uh, skeptical. As I am, I should clarify, I am not saying, yo, go out and craft your control priest cards. I think that there is a world where, like, if there are uh, a bunch of minion-y decks, including Libram Paladin, and you end up playing a Cabal Wave, and maybe that's good enough to win a game or two, I think that that is something that could happen that really can't happen right now. But it's still not the right call because with us with us projecting handlock to be as good as it's going to be, that is a matchup you just can't win. It's like recommending uh, quest warlock to people when bomb warrior is out there. Like it, it just is the counter is so inherent to the context of the meta that it's pretty hard to look at it with a straight face and say, yeah, this is going to get better. Yeah, uh, if handlock wasn't like. If Handlock was nerfed this patch, then I would say, oh, you know what? I think Control Priest might have a chance. It's just that, you know, knowing what I know and doing what I've been doing for quite a while now, uh, if you have a 15% matchup against one of the best decks in the game, it's hard to get out of Tier 4. That's all I'm going to say. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And that's... The end of our recap and rundown here for the post deadmines meta, the one week we have a full report before they shake it up again. And um, most likely the patch next week is probably also the pre-order patch for the next expansion. We're getting to that time, Zach. Oh, you think so? You think the expansion is getting announced next week? So here is my timeline math that I have charted out on three different podcasts now. So Okay, math. Let's go. All right. They do patches... Every two weeks is the window. They can't really do a patch more often than every two weeks unless something crazy has gone down and even then it's a big stress in the engineers. So we know that they need a week and some change to patch for balance after a launch. And we know that they are closed the last two weeks of December like they are every year. That means the last day for them to ship a patch for balance after a new expansion in December because there's no way they're missing Christmas is the 16th. We work backwards from that. They need a week and a little bit more. That means Tuesday the 7th. The pre-patch for that would be the week before on Thursday the 2nd. Two weeks before that would be Thursday the 18th. But because the Masters Tour is next weekend, they're probably patching on Tuesday the 16th, which means they are not going to get to patch again until pre-patch. That means pre-orders are going to be exactly three weeks before launch on December 7th, which means we should get the announcement for the next expansion on Tuesday the 16th. I see. So expansion comes on on the 7th. I did expect that. I do expect that. The December one is the most reliable. Like, you have this very small window, uh, like, after American Thanksgiving and before the Blizzard holiday break before Christmas. There's really only a two or three week, two or three week period it can be every year, and it's always in that period, because there's no way that they're going to ever miss holiday sales. Never, ever, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I, I agree with this timeline. I do think that... You know, patch coming up on si- on the 16th, and probably on the 7th, we're going to see the new expansion. 
you know, people have been, you know, there have been leaks, leaks, leaky leaks about what's happening. And Data it makes mines. sense, right? Yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to 10 hero cards, Hat. Uh-huh. 10 hero cards. You don't think we're getting 10 hero cards? I've said this yeah. multiple times. I'll say it again. I think that cycles of hero cards are a mistake, and I think they know it. Maybe they're pushing the boundaries again, but I think when you have a cycle of quests, you follow that up with a cycle of hero cards, you're playing with fire. Maybe they like playing with fire. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just unfair to the other mercenaries. What, what they're going to just give hero cards like Cariel and Tamsin, or, and that's Maybe? it? Call it a day? I don't know. I think Scabs deserves a hero card. I think Scabs deserve a hero what card. What would a Scabs hero uh, do? Is a bro. What would a Scabs hero do? Scabs hero do? Uh, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure it would be cool. Uh, Guff sure. also, I mean, tough Guff. Okay. Surely Guff he deserves the, the right to be a hero card. Guff is the best boy. What? I'm not, I am not here to take anything away from Guff. If he was the only hero card, I would be thrilled. I think they all deserve to be hero cards. Um, I, I'm, I'm eager to see the world burn with hero mm. cards. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm just excited about, I think that hero cards, if they do them next time, the next time they do them, they will maybe put a different spin on them. Kind of like what we saw with quests. I'm looking forward to that different spin potentially, maybe in before uh, all of them are like infinite uh, value engines for, for uh, hero power. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that will be that'll go over well. Build the maybe, maybe Build that's the why mech. they had all these from hand kill decks. Maybe that's why they made them all in Stormwind because the infinite value is coming in the last set. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. We will. So, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Extra special thanks to our VS Gold, VS Silver Patreon members, everyone that subs and supports. You're all wonderful. You can look forward to the next report in two weeks, but we'll have a podcast next weekend at some point to have early impressions of the post-nerf information. Uh, big thanks to Evil Day for the podcast transcriptions and posting on Reddit. And big thanks to Steven Sensei, as always. You're great for the intro and outro. We'll talk to you soon. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.